Hello, residents of Meeple Town. This is Dean. Buddy the Elf, what's your favorite color? And today we're going to be talking about games we've been playing lately. We're going to be taking a trip to the Meeple Town Jazz Club. And we're going to be sharing our game taste from past, present, and future. So thanks for joining us as we seek to build community through board gaming. This is episode 155. Residents of Meeple Town, if you were here right now, you would see Dean dressed all in fur from his head to his foot, and his clothes are all tarnished with ashes and soot. A bundle of games he has flung on his back, and he looks like a con attendee just opening his pack. His eyes, how they twinkle, his dimples, how merry. His cheeks are like roses, his nose like a cherry. He has a thin face and is maybe a little pale, but that's probably due to the smoothies with kale. <laughs> Merry you, Christmas, you, Dean. <laughs> you kaled that one, Darren. I mean, absolutely kaled it. Did, kaled you came it. up with that on your own. <laughs> well, I mean, I didn't write the original, but um, you know, this being the <laughs> this being the week before Christmas, I've just been kind of feeling nostalgic a little bit. And this was one of the books I used to love reading to my kids. Well, now they're like you know eighteen and twenty, and I don't get to do this kind of stuff anymore. Mm. Uh, you know, just kind of feeling those old past past feels for Christmas. Yeah. I, the older I get, the more nostalgic I get for sure. Mm-hmm. I am a pretty sentimental guy these days and same thing. The older my kids get, the, the more I, honestly, the more emotional I am too. Mm-hmm. Like I, I find myself getting a little teary eyed at times looking at all these videos of our babies that pop up on social media when they were, you know, one, two years old and around Christmas time. Yeah, I'm I just, feel you. I'm just glad Are you, you said videos. No, I'm laughing because you said videos of our babies that pop up. I thought you were about to say pop out. Like I'm not nostalgic about the birthing videos. Like those can <laughs> those can stay away. I don't. Those are great stories, but I don't want to relive it visually. Oh boy, you know, for our first child. Speaking of birthing stories, <laughs> I don't think our, we want to go this way, Dean. <laughs> for our first child, our doctor asked me beforehand. Said, "Would you like to deliver the baby?" And I had just had a friend talk to me about passing out in the delivery room and hitting his head on the bed. Oh, no. Uh, It took a pretty nasty fall. And this was a story that was told to me not long before that doctor's appointment. And I said, there is no way I'm going to do this. I did not pass out, though. And I I wish I would have delivered my first child. I could have done it. I could have handled it. Are you talking about regrets, Dean? Is that what you're talking about? (laughs) Uh, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. I probably, I probably would have passed out, you know, getting that in, in my mind. So think, uh, speaking of things that did not happen, I, I don't know how to transition this. Next <laughs> I thought week's... you were going to say, speaking of things that make us want to pass out. <laughs> <laughs> speaking of things that did not happen, we uh, will not be having an episode of Meeple Town release next week. So if all goes well, Darren and I have been really trying to stockpile some episodes. And so this one's recording uh, really a couple weeks before we would have. And then the next episode we'll release, uh, we'll, we will have recorded it maybe nearly a month ahead of time. Uh, not quite that, maybe like two to three weeks, I guess. But for us, pretty, pretty far in advance. We are just that good. Yeah, that's right. Or we're that bad and we need to make sure that we <laughs> don't fail you all. But Speaking of failing, we will not have an episode come out the week of Christmas because come on, come on, people, it's Christmas. We need to have a break too, right? Lay off. I hate, 
I know. I, no, no, no layoffs. We don't want any layoffs. No one losing their job or anything like that. Um, but, uh, but no, I know there are a lot of, of other um, media, board game media outlets that will be putting out some content for you. So, you know, feel free to, to listen to them for that one week alone. And then you come back in, in the first week of January and we'll have some, some fresh stuff for you. Yeah. Good call. Good call. All right. But in the meantime, in the, in the present time, we're going to be talking about games we've been playing lately. Does that sound good? I love this. All right. Well, Darren, I've got a little bit of extra time to talk about some Christmas games. And so, you know what? I'm doing it. I'm taking advantage of it. You should. <laughs> I'm going to talk about two games. And the first one, ah, I don't know which one to talk about. I only have one listed on here. Did you notice that? I did notice that. So when you said two, I was a little surprised. Yeah, that's right. Well, it is because I didn't put it on here. I'm just going to briefly, yeah. Yeah, I'll briefly, I'll briefly talk about this one. This one is a uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer game. Hmm. This one is, uh, so you've heard me talk about some of the, uh, some of the Funko games, correct, Darren? Yes, all the time. You never, you never stop talking about them, actually. <laughs> you may have seen some of these games. I was in Barnes & Noble the other day, and I saw one, um, this one, actually, the, the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, um, one of their newer Christmas small, small box games that came out. And this, these are the small box games that have a little bow on top. It's like a little plastic bow on top of these uh, boxes around the size of, of uh, a little card game. And so this is one that I did not have. And so I ended up picking it up and playing it. This is a game where you've heard me talk about chicken cha-cha-cha on here before. It has some feels of chicken cha-cha-cha. I'm going to talk about this one briefly, okay? Because the other one I want to talk about a little more in depth. It's not uh, sounding brief thus far. Sorry, that's right. I'll be very brief in the explanation after this. All right. <laughs> so... Uh, chicken cha cha cha, where you are flipping over these tiles to determine, uh, to move the next space on your path, basically. So I, it's a memory game of I'm gonna flip over this tile and then I get to move on this other tile. Okay, the Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer game is similar to that, and uh, it you've basically got a pile of these circle tiles, and the uh, they each have symbols on them. You've got the classics. If you've seen Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, the old claymation version, you know, this is one of my favorite Christmas movies. So it's got Yukon Cornelius. You've got the Hermie. Hermie doesn't like to make toys. And you have Rudolph. You're going to be, and and the Island of Misfit Toys, and then the Bumble, okay? The Abominable Snowman. So basically what you're trying to do is you're, it's cooperative. You are flipping over tiles and trying to move the pieces together, try to move those three main characters up the track so they can make it to the end before the bumble makes it all the way around. And that is basically the gist of it. But sometimes you have snowstorms and you have to mix up all the tiles so you don't know where they are. It's a pretty fun little game. We enjoyed this one. My boys, especially towards the end, we played a couple of this, uh, maybe two or three games. By the last game, they were wanting to just flip over the bumble because they thought it was funny to make us lose. And so I'm trying to make us win. So I say cooperative, but it's actually maybe a little bit of a uh, hidden trader mechanism in there. Maybe a uh, semi-cooperative <laughs> game. <laughs> Although if you play the semi-cooperative, 
I don't recommend it because you will definitely lose if you're the one that's trying to make it up the track. So that's that one. Fun little game. But the other one that we got to play, you heard me talk about the uh, a couple of these over the years, and I talked about one a couple weeks ago with the uh, Muppet Christmas Carol. But this one is a, a little movie called Jingle All the Way. You seen Jingle All the Way, this Christmas movie? It has been a long, long time. I remember seeing it when it first came out. I do not think I've seen it since then. Okay. Well, we watch this one every year. I don't know if anybody cares about this movie as much as I do. Probably but not. I, I think it's a fun one to watch. <laughs> Jingle All the Way, It's Turbo Time is the name of the game. This one released in 2021. And this game was a ton of fun. We had a lot of fun. Maybe maybe the most fun we've had in any of these Funko Small Box Christmas games. Wow. Oh, now your ears are perking up. Mm, and this bit. is <laughs> This is one that I wasn't, honestly, I wasn't even super stoked about just because I don't know if anybody cares about the game, but I looked at the mechanisms, read the book, and I was like, oh, let's let's see. Let's see if uh, they'll like this one. But basically, in the movie, you are trying to get a Turbo Man doll for your son. This is the Arnold Schwarzenegger is trying to get a Turbo doll for his son because he is not the best dad in the movie. And one of the things he forgets to do is buy his son a Turbo Man doll, which he should have done weeks ago. Hmm. And so he goes out on Christmas Eve to try to find it. And it's like the Tickle Me Elmo doll where it's not available. You can't find it anywhere. And that's his position. So in the game, you have all these tiles of different toys and you're trying to add up a Turbo Man. But really, it doesn't matter if you get Turbo Man as long as you get the most points. So you've got Turbo Man that's worth 10 points. You have this lottery ball that's worth eight points. You have this gift certificate for a Turbo Man. That's worth five points. You've got all these different uh, booster dolls that are worth points. And then you have Tubro Man, who is worth negative five points. So you don't want to end up with Tubro Man, the off-brand. In the movie, it's the one that speaks Spanish, and it's also like breaks as soon as he touches it. It's pretty funny. But what you're trying to do is not just get the best toys, but you're also trying to give the other players the bad stuff, the stuff that you don't want, and which is also pretty funny and very thematic because in the game it's not just him getting the toy it's also trying to make sure that the other uh the other character Sinbad doesn't get a toy for his children <laughs> it's a very terrible movie when you look at it he's a terrible terrible person but <laughs> speaking of terrible people i am a bad dad at this game because i was giving my children the tubro doll and trying to dominate them but that's what you do. You have a hand of five cards. You play a card. You look at the value of the card for all of them. And whoever has the highest one is going to play the, the action on your card and then go in number order. So each card also has an action of like swapping out tiles or peeking at tiles or flipping tiles face up or whatever. And then at the end of the round, whoever, is the, whoever played the top two numbers gets to take a toy from the center and... It's just a lot of fun. We had a blast with this game. We played this game, I think, seven times yesterday. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a long game. It takes probably about 10 minutes, but we played it over and over and over again because the kids were just having a blast with it, which for my oldest, and he's the one who requested it even more than my youngest, that was a big deal because he he doesn't request games, but he was having such a good time with this one. Mm-hmm. How, now, I noticed both games you're talking about here both have a memory element to them. Uh, how is that working for you in your in your old age as you become more and more nostalgic about these things? <laughs> the these have less of an a memory element than 
say chicken cha-cha-cha. If you don't remember everything, it's not that big of a deal, especially the Rudolph game. It's pretty easy to remember where things are because they get, and and it shifts a lot. And and the Turbo, uh, Turbo Man, the Jingle All the Way one, it, yeah, you'd really, it's okay. It's okay if you don't remember. You can always look at your tiles, which is really helpful. If you had to remember yours, I think that would be a little more difficult. But since you can look at yours and you don't, in some ways it doesn't fully matter if you get a bad present in the middle because if you have a card that you can play where you give it to somebody else, then it's okay. Hmm. So, okay. so it was fine. But the the big thing is the kids had a blast with these. And that's what all of these Funko games are about is playing with your family. And this will be a keeper. I'd say both of them are keepers. I don't know. Rudolph might not get as much plays over the years, but my guess is Jingle All The Way is probably going to get a lot more plays this year. And if that's the case, it's worth it for, you know, whatever we paid for it, probably about $10, $15, something like that. Gotcha. So what what was the full name of both of these games, just to be clear for our, our listeners? Well, here's the thing. I was hoping that you wouldn't ask <laughs> what the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer one was, which is probably the one that you're wondering the most because I did not say the name of it. That was the trickiest um, because I missed everything you said about that game because it took me the whole time to try to find it on BGG because there's about a billion games named Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Yep. So uh, let me get back with you on that one, okay? Uh, I really, honest to goodness, I can't find it. <laughs> well, I did I have, find oh, it oh, for oh. you. <laughs> oh, you did? Okay. I was going to say I have it in my recent place so I can look it up there. It's Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Uh, snowstorm scramble game is that the there one you, you found go. yep yep okay all right that's that one and the other one is jingle all the way it's turbo time you have to say it like that it's turbo time is that your arnold impression in person impression i can tell you you're not impressed by it so <laughs> yes that's the best i can do i mean it's not as good as Gus chickens but you know it'll it'll have to do <laughs> maybe he'll come out later in the <laughs> christmas past conversation I'm sure you will. <laughs> All right. Fun games. What do you got, Darren? So um, since you mentioned several, I'll just mention two very briefly that I got to play and then talk about the the main one. One, uh, I was fortunate enough to play a few more rounds of Novaroma, our main feature review from the last episode. I got to, got to play that again solo and play it with with Cindy. Um, got to play that two-player again. I just, th- that game continues to get to grow on me. I enjoy it. The more I play, the more I see how things connect. It was a lot of fun. Uh, another one I got to play, we got to play another chapter in the other game I mentioned in the last episode, the Jekyll and Hyde versus Scotland Yard, the cooperative two-player trick-taking game. Really fun. Enjoying that more as it continues to ramp up some each chapter. But the main game I want to talk about is the one I alluded to in the last episode, but didn't really get to explain. I know you've talked about it before. So I won't spend too much time on it, but we did play the OG Jekyll versus Hyde. They came out back in 2021. That is uh, designed by Geoneal and art by Vincent Detroit and published by Mandu. This was the precursor to the one we we played before. And uh, again, just two players plays in about 30 minutes. Um, this is the competitive version of the two player trick taking game. You know, one of you is Jekyll, one of you is Hyde, and it is still like follow the lead suit type of trick taking game. Each player is going to play one card into the trick, and the highest number of the higher ranking suits going to win. And the ranking of those suits are going to depend on what order the suits are played in. It's like the first color that's played will end up being the lowest ranking suit. But of course, there's going to be some potion cards that will come out and they will mix things up as you as you go along and you can change up the order and things. And, and there's this player board in between you. Um, 
with Jekyll on one side of the board and Hyde on the other. And there's this really cool metal bust marker that's got Jekyll's face on one side and Hyde's on the other. Really chunky, heavy piece of metal that's going to mark um, on the board. And there's 10 spaces between Jekyll and Hyde. And so, you know, Hyde is trying to gain full control, just like in the story, and move that marker all the way across the board to his side in order to win. Uh, and he has three rounds to do it. And Jekyll is trying to maintain balance. And so if he can keep the marker from moving completely to Hyde's side, then, then Jekyll will win. And the marker is going to move based on the difference in the number of tricks won. So if you and I are playing, Dean, you won five tricks, I'll won four, the marker is going to move one, regardless of who actually won. But the difference was one, so it'll move one. So Cindy and I played this the other night and she was Jekyll, I was Hyde. And after the first two rounds, the marker had only moved forward three spaces. Uh, the hands were pretty balanced and and she played them pretty well. And, um, <laughs> and I was just thinking, this is really hard for Hyde to win. Like, I don't, I don't know how, how Hyde's going to be able to do this. Um, but then in the third round, the very last round, I had seven spaces to make up and I was dealt a ton of low cards and I was mm-hmm. able to lose every trick <laughs> that hand. I went total nil. And, um, and so I moved the marker all the way to my side and won. And so I know there's always going to be some kind of luck to a trick taking game. Anytime cards are shuffled and dealt and, you know, there's gonna be some kind of luck, but, um, there's also some strategy to it, which I do enjoy, you know, that the, the order ranking of the game, uh, and, or I'm sorry, the order ranking of the suits and how you play them will strategically matter in the long term. So there's something really kind of crunchy there. And each round, you're always going to pass a card to your opponents. Like in the first round, you're going to pass one card to one another. The second round, you're going to pass two cards to one another. The third round, you're going to pass three cards to one another. And if you have at least two potion cards, one of those cards has to be a potion. And so there's a little bit of that, you know, you can't just hoard and run away with this. You're going to have to give up something. And so I like how that attempt to, to balance is there. We've only played this one time. So I don't know if, you know, one typically wins, you know, over the other, but we really enjoyed that play of it. And um, it was really a roller coaster of emotions in that one, you know, as much as it can be for a card game. And so we're looking forward to play more in our past play purchase. Of course, I purchased it. This is a play for sure. Um, and I think I picked it up for $10 or $11. It was on sale. Um, so if you can find it that cheap, probably be a good purchase if you're if you're a trick taker. But uh, definitely a play. I think it's a lot of fun. And I know you played it before and you were okay on it, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm probably in the same same boat as you. It's a play. By the way, both of my other ones are probably plays. It's so situational. I didn't. Right. I, you're much better at, at remembering to say that, but it's so situational. So make that decision on your own. Might even be if you don't have kids, it's a pass. But um, Jekyll and Hyde, yes, a play as well, at which you can play on BGA, which is really mm-hmm. helpful. Um, so you could play for free on board game arena and then decide if you want the game. Uh, yeah. You, when you were talking about, I don't know how Hyde can win. Um, yeah, I, I honestly, I'm really bad at this game. I've realized it's, it's difficult for me to wrap my head around it's because it's not just taking the high it's high or the low. Right. And that's a, it's a different way of thinking about the game. And I think it's really hard for Hyde to uh excuse me i think it's really hard for jekyll to keep the balance there hmm. um myself that's been my experience and so the way that yours ended up i've had that happen a lot that's not by fault of the game i think it's just by fault of 
one, you need to get more plays of this one to really grasp it, I think. At least for me to, you know, it. you get it. Like, you know how to play. It's not a difficult game to play if you can play trick takers. But like to really play it well and play it balanced with each other, I think you need a couple plays, at least one full playthrough to, to get it, which is a short game and that's fine. But yeah, this is, I, I really like this one still. Yeah. Well, good. Yeah. It's that, that thinking that is, like you said, it, it changes your brain. You have to th- swap up how you think about playing because the very first round, uh, the one card we traded, I was thinking one way and I gave Cindy a really good card. And then as soon as we played the first trick, I thought, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I don't necessarily have to lose everything. I want to lose everything. I might have should have kept on, you know, hung on to that high card I just gave you. Um, yeah. Yeah. It changes the brain, but it's fun. That is Jekyll versus Hyde. Yeah, and speaking of hiding, let's go hide out in the jazz club. Oh, yeah. All right, welcome to the Meeple Town Jazz Club. And today I'm going to be talking about Normally, I try to talk about things that I'm jazzed about that are like sitting on my pile of shame or something that I know I'm going to get played or a Kickstarter that's about to arrive, not arrive, but arrive. Today, I'm going to talk about a couple of games that are actually not even going to go to a Kickstarter until next August. How about that? Wow, that's (laughs) so far away. Why are we even talking about this? Honestly, I would have talked about these during the news last episode, but it didn't drop until this week, and I'm super jazzed about it, and so I thought, I'm going to talk about it now. I don't care what you say, Darren. (laughs) Go for it. These are the two new... Oh, well, let me just say... So Garfield Games uh, recently did a uh, a video where they just dropped a bunch of news bombs on us. This was um, Shem Phillips and Sam McDonald. Yep. That is right. It is Sam McDonald, right? Yep. Uh, sharing some stuff that's going to come out. One of the things they talked about towards the end of the episode was the um, Storm Raiders that's going to Kickstarter on January 24th. That's not a... I don't think that one's a Garfield Games, though, but it is a Shem Phillips design. They talked about that. They talked about the inventors of the South Tigris. I didn't listen to that part as enough because I'm, I haven't really dove into that series at all the south tigers so i wasn't as interested about it even though i probably should be i probably should play those games but what i'm interested in is the ancient anthology because i love those games if you need a little bit of a recap on the ancient an- anthology um, know that two out of three of those made my top 50 this year and the other one was 50 something i think those were the raiders of scythia hadrian's wall and legacy of you all of those I absolutely love, and so I was glued to my seat when I was watching this video. Did you watch any of this, Darren, yet, or is this all news for you? Uh, I I watched bits and pieces while I was doing some other stuff. I tried to pay attention, uh, particularly in the the latter half, the part you neglected, because I'm I'm not as much of a of a fanboy of the anthology ancient anthology series as as you are, because you continue to oh, so I reverse this, this whole oh, segment then. <laughs> <laughs> my bad. Right. My bad. No, go well, for it. I'm, I'm I'm curious to hear about this because I know you love them. Yeah. Okay. So the first one they talked about was the anarchy. All right. This is I. It's it's pretty cool. The 
the thematic nature behind this. And I took notes on the gameplay aspects, but I did not take notes on the thematic aspect. But basically you've got, uh, I think it was Henry I, if I remember right. Henry I dies and there was nobody to take over the throne. And so the first female in line, Empress uh, Matilda, or, or who would, um, she was her, she was just Matilda, I guess. And uh, Stephen, maybe, was the other one? Oh, goodness, I'm, I butchered that, I'm sure. You can Wikipedia, you can look it up. You don't need me for this. But it was a period of time called the Anarchy, uh, a pretty lengthy period of time. I, if I remember right, it was somewhere between 18 and 40 years. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I really don't know. I just made that up. It was for a lengthy Years and years, a period of time where they basically lived with a lot of lawlessness because they couldn't figure things out. So Bobby Hill designed this game as kind of a follow-up to Hadrian's Wall. Does that got you excited? You played Hadrian's Wall, Darren? Nope. Okay, so that doesn't have you excited. But <laughs> Nope. <laughs> here are the things that were described by them. And they said that this one is, it's it's got some similarities to Hadrian's Wall. Um except it is more customizable. So they talked about how Hadrian's Wall kind of has these different areas that that are already kind of pre-made, but you get to customize Hadrian's Wall a little bit more. I don't know what that means, but it's got me excited because, yeah, uh, well, one, I love Hadrian's Wall, but the idea of having maybe, maybe, I don't know if this is the case, but I'm just guessing that maybe my options are different than yours. Like I can customize my areas of my roll and write. I don't know, but they did say it's, it's more customizable. Uh, But players can decide how they want to build their engine is what they said, which is really interesting. So it's a one to four player game. Um, But what got me maybe most excited, other than the fact that it was a, you know, similar game to Hadrian's Wall is that there's a solo campaign out of the box. And they compared it to, they said it's similar to Legacy of You and that you're like adding cards to this. And some of this might change. Obviously, we're almost a year out from whenever this is going to kickstart. So who knows what's actually going to happen. But the solo campaign has 20 levels out of the box and then six to eight levels if you're playing from Empress Matilda's perspective, which I think is really interesting, and I'm super, super excited about this. Hadrian's Wall is a game that, honestly, I kind of put in a solo game category because it doesn't really play much different. It does play different. There's player interaction when you're playing with other people, but it's it's not huge. And when you play the solo version, there's not like a big difference in how you play it. Um, th- there are some, but anyway. That they're not huge. And so I, I'm interested to see what a solo campaign that is in the anarchy could look like, especially because I love Legacy of You campaign so much. But if you've not played Hadrian's Wall, I don't know if this would get you very jazzed. It just means that, Darren, you need to play Hadrian's Wall sometime between <laughs> now and next August. Surely you can do that, right? I don't know, man. There's lots of games out there to play. I don't know if I can squeeze <laughs> it into my schedule. <laughs> All right. Well, when you start talking about your games, I'm going to add it to the list is what I'm going to do. <laughs> well, you know, one thing I will say this about the anarchy. Uh, they can, I, I didn't hear the part about playing solo from the perspective of Matilda, because that actually sounds a little more interesting because they kind of lost me early on, thematically speaking, talking about being the those in power fighting off the the invaders you know, because the invaders like their own people who were trying to, it seemed like trying to set some things right in the government. And so 
to continue to play as the powers that be sort of like rubbing the wrong way. I thought, I don't know. I don't know if it's interest me, but hearing that you can play from Matilda's perspective, that sounds a little more um, intriguing. I feel like. So maybe you, did you watch this part or did you not? Sorry. I saw saw some bits and pieces. And then, like I said, I kind of tuned out after a little while. Okay. One of the things I didn't quite understand when they talked about this, the solo campaign, it sounded like you're playing from the, I think it was Steven. I think it's his perspective. But I didn't necessarily get that when they were talking about the main game, the non-solo version. So I'm wondering if part of the customization is you can play as either one of those mm, kind of vying okay. for, for power. I, and again, that's I just don't know. that. That's uh, It was a gotcha. little... It may not have been unclear is the way I understood it. The way I interpreted was unclear. And so... But again, we're a long ways out. There's a lot of things that can change, but... The thing I care about the most is that it is a follow-up to Hadrian's Wall. Bobby Hill is a designed Hadrian's Wall very well, but wanted this one to not be like another version or a worse version and wanted it to add, it sounds like more meat on the bone is what it sounds like. So there we go. There's that, super interested in that one. And then the other one that they announced was the second game of of or the i guess it would be the fifth so it'd be like the fourth and fifth game of this anthology this one is um scara bray s-k-a-r-a space b-r-a-e this one takes place five thousand years ago in northern scotland um and you can look up scara bray and find out all the information about that but i'm going to talk about the game aspects of it this one is a shem phillips design which gets me excited One to four players plays in about 45 to 60 minutes is what he said. And it's a resource heavy game. So he compared it to Legacy of You or Shipwrights Redux. And I've not played Shipwrights, so I don't know enough about that. But there were several comparisons made to Shipwrights, including the weight of the game. So that it's less heavy than Hadrian's Wall, maybe the same weight, uh, around the same weight as Shipwrights. That means nothing to me, but it makes me want to play Shipwrights. <laughs> I've wanted to play that one for a while, so I'm I'm interested. Um, this was an exact quote. I don't have a lot of quotes in this, but it did say, uh, I think Shem said this, if you like custom meeples, this will be your jam. Do you know what I like, Darren? Custom meeples? I love custom meeples. I really mm-hmm. do. I don't know if that means screen printed or what it, what it means, but I don't care. I want cool meeples. And um, so that's that's what I want. What I don't love necessarily is feeding workers in games, but there there is an element of feeding workers at the end of each round. There's four rounds in this game. And so we'll, we'll see how that plays out. But the thing that got me really excited is that this is an asymmetrical game, which I think is cool. I love asymmetrical games, so I'm inter- interested to see what this looks like. And in the meantime, I need to get shipwrights to the table and see what that's like. And Shipwrights, that was one of the North Sea Trilogy games that they redid, correct? That's right. It was Explorers, Shipwrights, and um, Raiders. I'm, uh, that's not the right order, I'm sure. I can't remember what the order was. but I think Shipwrights may have been first. Okay. That makes sense right. because you got to build the ships first. You build the ships, then you explore, and then you, you know, inevitably destroy other civilizations. <laughs> raid and pillage. <laughs> it's the only way. If you're going to explore, you gotta you got to raid and pillage. You're right. Uh, and as long as we can gamify it, I love that. So <laughs> <laughs> It's always funny to me, like, sorry, this is a, a tangent, but, you know, it, immediately when we think of let's explore other planets, it's like, oh, yeah, we will then take over 
all the resources and have more resources and we can colonize that. I'm like, why is our first thought colonization whenever we find a new place? I don't understand. Can't we just right. like talk to people and hang out with them and <laughs> get to know them? It's we got to own it. We, we have to or, own everything. Or if aliens are coming here, mm. they're for sure going to attack us. I mean, that's our natural thought is, you know, it's coming right for us. Well, then maybe that's why they we're that way because we descended from the aliens. And so if we replaced her by them, it only makes sense that we would be like them, correct? That's true. I don't know if anyone knew this, but Darren actually works for the History Channel. And so <laughs> he does he does the research. Just See, a, my, <laughs> my recent special on the uh, Anunnaki. And... <laughs> oh, but anyway, more ancient anthology makes for a more happy Dean. I'll say that. It's kind of a shining thing you were going for there. For a minute, more ancient anthology makes Dean a happy boy or happy boy. That's right. Well, let me talk about a few games that are actually going to be more recent that you can play, that you can find, not something that's 10 years off into the future. The games that I'll be talking about very briefly, one is a game that it does already exist and uh, has just been delivering all of its goodness to its Kickstarter backers here recently, and that is Marvel Zombies. This is the massive Simon collection of games uh, that, you know, I know they just finished their deceased sort of zombie game in the DC universe on, on Kickstarter here recently, but the Marvel version of this, the, the OG just delivered. And I'm really hoping to play this over Christmas. I've got two and a half feet worth of boxes in my den, just waiting to be played. When you stack them up, it's almost three feet tall. You got, you got these three huge boxes. One of them is the base game, which lets you play as the zombies, you know, eating shield agents and other, you know, and other heroes trying to uh, satiate that hunger and use your powers to, you know, just be a zombie. And you also have the X-Men Resistance, which is another huge box. And that one lets you play as the heroes fighting off the zombies. And then, of course, being a Simon game, you've got this ginormous box full of stretch goals, which has every Marvel character and uh, adjacent character that you can think of. So you get these three huge boxes and you've got these four standard size boxes as well. One of them is a Hydra expansion. One of them is the Sinister Six. One of them is the Fantastic Four. And you've gotten a Sentinel expansion where you can actually even play as one of the Sentinels. Then there's like three smaller boxes. You have the Special Artist Edition. You have the Guardians of the Galaxy expansion with a zombie Thanos. I mean, come on. And of course... There is a Galactus expansion that came with, yes, I have it, a two foot tall, one and a half foot wide Galactus mini statue, Stachini? I don't know, um, but it's ginormous. So yeah, I have all this stuff that I'm super jazzed to play and it's going to play, it can play one to six people. And so I'm looking forward to trying some of this stuff solo and getting some friends together again, hopefully over Christmas to play. Um, you can even play team versus team mode. And I know there's probably stuff in here that I will never get a chance to play, but I'm looking forward to uh, delving into that a little bit here soon and, you know, kind of satiating my hunger for uh, for Marvel Zombies. Can you play the team versus team in the in the main box or was that an expansion piece? that came well, It was out? one of the expansions that allowed for the team versus team. I want to say that was the I could be wrong. I want to say that was a Sinister Six that allows for team versus team, but it is one of those that, that lets you do that. Are you playing as teams of heroes or teams of zombies or like one team of heroes, one team of zombies? 
again, not having opened it, I think it's, you can play Team of Heroes versus Team of Zombies. Okay. I'm interested in that part of it. I didn't know that was an option. I, I Here's the thing. When I watched the uh, What If series on Disney Plus of the the Marvel zombie stuff, I'm not interested in it really at all. I know. Wow. Yeah, I know. Is I love Zombicide and I really like Marvel. It just didn't do it for me. But I I I can always be proven wrong and I would like to get this to play this with you as well. But I look forward hmm. to proving you wrong here soon, but I don't know if I'm bringing all that down with me over Christmas. So I don't I don't doubt that I'll like it. It's it is a it's a question of what I needed if I already have like all my black plague stuff, because I'm, I'm actually interested in going back and picking up some of the other Marvels, uh, uh not Marvel zombicide stuff. I really want to do the second edition, um, with those expansions with that. I'd really like to go back and do that. I don't have a lot of people that play zombicide with me. Yeah. Steven plays it and that's about it. I, th- he prefers probably zombicide regular over black plague. I don't even, I, I think that's right. And so second edition might make sense, but he has, all the Zombicide stuff, I think. And he was talking about selling it, I think. I don't know if he sold that. It's like his favorite game, but same thing for him. Nobody plays it. Um, well, and, and those play solo too, right? I don't know if they have the same same kind of feel. I'm sure it's a whole lot more fun when you're sitting around playing with a bunch of other people. Um, it's, yeah. the, it's problematic when you're playing Black Plague solo because you still have to play with six players. Okay, gotcha. um, and and it is it is more fun. It's a lot more fun. This is we used to play Zombicide all the time early in gaming, and play I don't know four of us usually I guess, and it's just part of the fun is is collaborating and talking about you know kind of building up fear and all that. It's yeah, I love Zombicide. So I mm-hmm. yeah, I'll try this one, Darren. You're not asking me if I'll try it. You're just saying you're jazzed about it. You don't <laughs> need me to be jazzed about it. But I'm always looking, like you said, for people to to play it with. And maybe there'll be more in our conversations later about, about these zombie games and these style of games. But uh, yes, very, very, very excited. And there's one more game I'll mention briefly um, that I'm also jazzed about. And that is Monumental. Again, this is an older game that originally was published in um, 2020. It was, was on Kickstarter, came out, and then they ran another Kickstarter uh, in 2020 and for a, a new expansion. So like Monumental, its original expansion that came out, I want to say, with, the, with its first Kickstarter was called Lost Kingdoms. And the second one is African Empires. If you don't know the game Monumental, it was designed by Matthew Dunstan, who, who I really enjoy playing. I know you like a lot of his games, Dean. It was published mm-hmm. by FunForge. It plays one to four players and the expansions took it to one to five. This is a deck building game. It's a troops on a map game and it's a civilization game. So in this game, you've got this modular board that, you know, that you'll build out. You have these really cool miniatures for these different civilizations from all over the world. And you have this unique deck building uh, system where your cards are going to be played out in a three by three grid. And when you activate your actions to play, you're activating an entire row or column of your little tableau in front of you. And so that's how your, your actions are, are going to, uh, to line up and kind of combo off each other. And like I said, you've got civilizations from all over the world, from, from ancient times, from mythological times. You know, you've got um, Egyptians and Greeks and uh, Atlanteans and the, the African Empire um, also introduced, and I've got it up here in front of me, but was not prepared. Uh, you've got the Zulu <laughs> kingdoms and uh, 
the, the Axum and the Mali empires, you have all these different empires that they've been added and all these different game modes that have been included. And it just sounds amazing. The Dice Tower is excited about this game. The Brothers Murph really liked this one. I backed this back in July of 2020, Dean. Mm. And Funforge had some production issues. And then they had some factory issues. And then they had some money issues. Because again, all of this happened in the shipping crisis of the pandemic and, and things were crazy. And they had a few other games that sort of fell into this whole financial trouble umbrella. They've had the games for a while, they say, and they've just been holding them until they can gather the funds without asking backers for more money. What? That's not I know. possible. I know, right? <laughs> but I, I'll wait two more years if you don't ask me for more money. <laughs> like, like, it's okay. Uh, so either way, in theory, this game is going to be shipping in January. Um, I said, they've got the funds, they've got everything. Boats are going out early January. Fingers crossed. If that happens, I'm hopefully playing this thing late January, early February. Um, it's been, you know, it's going to be three years, but but I'm really excited about this type of deck building civilization game. It sounds unique. It sounds exciting. It sounds overproduced, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> so, Dean, what do you think about Monumental? Have you played this one? Because, again, it's been out. You can buy the base game in some places. Uh, it's available. Have you played this one? I have not personally. I had an opportunity to buy this from somebody at a really, really cheap cost. Mm. And I wasn't sure if it would be one that I could get played very easily. And so I ended up saying no. Part of me has regretted that. I, I'm I'm trying to go on Jonathan's collection, Jonathan Mullins, our our friend Jonathan, and see if I can I'm I'm wanting to say he played this or has it on his shelf of opportunity. One of those two. I think he played it though. I think he's the one who told me that it was a fun game, but I cannot yeah, I'll, 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 it'll come to me. It'll come to me for sure. Um, yep. It seems like it would be one that I would like a lot, but I just have not got to play. Yeah. He gave this one an eight. Um, awesome. yeah, yeah. He, he really liked it. I think I would, I think I'd like this one too. So at some yep. point I'll get it played. Well, I hope we all will hopefully early 2024. Here's the hoping. But I am That's jazzed right. about Monumental. Well, lots of jazz going on, but we gotta we gotta take it easy from the jazz club. We gotta get up early in the morning to go to the Meeple Town Hall. Residents of Meeple Town, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another Meeple Town Hall where we address topics of importance to all of Meeple Town. And all of Meeple Town has a chance to chime in. This week's town hall meeting is about how have your taste in gaming changed? Or maybe how has your approach to gaming changed? What was it like in the past? Where is it now? To where do you see your taste and or approach trending? You know, this is the question that we came up with. Dean and I were talking about this idea of our evolving taste in games over the years. And both of us recently have been reading uh, Charles Dickens's A Christmas Carol. And, and Dean thought, you know, what if we framed it in this idea of past, present, and future? You know, kind of like the, the ghost of past, present, and future. And I thought that's really appropriate because, you know, this time of year, people are just naturally, I feel like, being more reflective, as you've kind of already heard some in this episode. I just feel like we're generally more reflective uh, during this time of year. And so 
Specifically, we're going to focus on gaming, on where our taste in gaming has changed and where we maybe see it going, where our approach to gaming has changed and where we see it going. And um, I'm really excited to have this little chat, Dean. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Me too. Because I, I do think um, it's hard to predict the future, but I do think I have a, a, an idea of how things have gone in my past and present. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, well, good. there's that. <laughs> well, we're going to see what you had to say, people Town, and we're going to have this conversation together. And of course, these kind of talks can, can continue, not just here in this space, but also um, on the Discord and in the Guild. And I'm sure Dean will have some... Uh, it, actually, Dean, why don't you go ahead and tell us, where where can we find the Discord in the... We are a Guild on, on Board Game Geek um, 3407. Nailed it. You nailed it. First and try. As of now, I, I'm... I'm Hoping during some of my time off that I've got coming up, I can figure out this whole Discord thing and how to make that. I think I have to completely overall redo our Discord channel. Um, the way that it was initially set up, I think, um, makes it difficult for us to to customize it and, and do some things that we want to do. So I, I'm going to work on that and try to figure that out over the break. But as of now, you'd have to go to the guild or email us, mapletownmail at gmail.com, and we can send you the Discord link for you to get on there, which is what people have been doing. They've just been emailing and reaching out. So Sweet. that might be the best way right now. Good deal. So yeah, so the conversation can continue in those places. Uh, right now, you know, we the floor recognizes Ryan D. And uh, in terms of gaming taste, Ryan says, I initially wanted all the heavy games, but over time, I've trended to medium heavy games instead of those that have streamlined and sensible rule sets, rather than those that have rules for rules sake. Uh, for example, he mentions he had all the Lacerda games, but has now since culled them, <laughs> except for two. Um, some of his top games are by Fister and, and Suki. And in general, he slowed down on purchases. I feel that, especially as, as he awaits a few crowdfunding campaigns and spending more time with the games that he owns. He still wants to pick up the hot game occasionally, but is being more selective on that. He feels like it's a pretty good spot to be. Just spend some time with friends and enjoy the games that he has. And if that's lighter, casual party games, then then so be it. I feel like I can relate to that some, Dean. <laughs> are you are you feeling that at all? Yeah, I mean, it. In uh, sometimes I can relate to the slowing down, sometimes not. But um, it really, I, that's one of the big things I was I was going to talk about is this this idea that. Um, Whatever whatever group that you're with, whether you play games with your family, play games with your friends, play games with a gaming group, um, or people that you go to church with or you're in a club with or whatever that is, um, not the club, not duck club, but, you know, a club. Probably you're not playing board games in the club, but wherever you're playing games, you don't want to be the guy who's just like, hey, we're playing a Lacerda today, and it's like a group of elementary students. You know, you you got to read the crowd and you need to play games that other people want to play. Otherwise it's not going to really be as much fun. Right. So, so I can relate to that aspect, especially of whatever group that you're playing the games with that, that group is going to determine the types of games that you play for sure. Yeah. And I, I can relate with this idea of, you know, he, him feeling like he wanted to get all the heavy games. I feel like I wanted to get, get all the games. You know, mm. just back, back, back everything. There's, there's the classics you got to play. You got to have this game or that game, and then you've got to have games from these designers. You know, you mentioned Lacerda. I have Lisboa on my shelf because I felt like I got to have a Lacerda 
this one sounds like maybe the most interesting to me. And so I've got it. Have I played it yet? No, but I will. But um, but yeah, this this I did like thinking you gotta play the heavy games for me. It was oh, I gotta play catch up in a lot of ways, because I feel like I'm getting into this later than all my friends, all my other friends that are in the gaming have been doing this for years, such as yourself. And I thought, man, I gotta, I gotta make up some ground. And you kind of overdo it with some of the bigger ones. And I'm kind of like you, Ryan. Sometimes I just want something that I can uh, I can pick up that's going to be a little quicker to, to remember and play and get played. And so, yeah, if things tend a little lighter and casual, then that's that's fine too. Yeah, I, I want to pause for just a second there. I don't know if this is the same Ryan, but I meant to mention this earlier in the episode, but there is a Ryan, I think it's the same one, that recently became a... Patreon supporter and bought us a cup of coffee, which is really Ooh, helpful. Thanks, um, Ryan. So we, we appreciate that. And anyone who would like to support, um, we appreciate that. Patreon uh, at patreon.com slash Meepletown or buymeacoffee.com slash Meepletown9. <laughs> that might be wrong. I think that's right. Meepletown9. I look at it every time I post an episode, but I forget. I thought you were just saying it slow so people could hear you, not that you had forgotten. Dramatic effect. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I I didn't really do that early on in gaming. I didn't do the, I'm going to buy all the heavy games. Mine was more, I'm going to buy whatever the top games are. Hmm. So once I discovered Board Game Geek, then I was like, what what are the best games? They have a ranking system on here. What do people say are the best games? And at the time it was, Agricola and Puerto Rico and uh, Catan, I think, may have been up there. Um, I think that's right. And so Puerto Rico and Agricola were some of the earlier games that I picked up because of that very reason. Wow, you're old. Yeah. Now, had The Gallerist or On Mars or Twilight Imperium been the number one games, I would have been really inclined to pick up those too, not really knowing. Like, I didn't, I don't remember doing that much research. I just remember what are the games that everyone says are the best games of all time? And that's what I want to start with. Um, yeah. You mentioned research. That's something that, that in my gaming, you know, I was always because trying to be as, as dollar conscious as possible, uh, but also wanting everything, I would not buy something unless I had done tons of research on it. You know, I researched, ever watched videos, looked up reviews, anything I bought, I had done research, but now you know, I'm probably, I'm still doing lots of that, but maybe a little less. I never made a spontaneous purchase until here recently, just because you kind of start to get a feel for what, for what you know you like and who you like, and you can kind of be a little more trusting in some of those areas. So that's, that's another way that my uh, approach, I guess, has, has evolved over time. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, the publishers, you know, the designers, um, sometimes even the artists, you know, Um, you know, art does play a factor in, in purchases, even if it's a game that, may not be great if the production is fantastic <laughs> it's still it's still intriguing for sure yeah i cannot wait for us to do a a top artist list here soon because uh there's something about that. it's not just great art but sometimes that great art does turn into a purchase like vincent Dutrade is one of those guys i'll just go ahead and say it like i feel like i'm talking about his games all the time he's got some kind of magic weaved into his his drawings that uh that i think make you want to buy it regardless of what it is but mm-hmm. that could be a conversation for another time. Yeah. Yeah. Good call. I didn't want to sit us down that rabbit hole, but, but definitely, <laughs> right, right. you know, in the past, um, that, that is how I made my decisions. Not, not all the heaviest stuff, but all the popular. Yeah. 
and the pretty stuff. Eric says, like a kid who starts liking vegetables as an adult, I have come to enjoy the beige with time. <laughs> with time, age, and wisdom. He has steered away for the longest time from Hansa Teutonica because, frankly, it's ugly. And I agree with you, Eric. There's, <laughs> there's not really a pleasant way to say that. However, it turns out he loves it. Um, and also with time, he's come to appreciate more cutthroat games. You just need to come to terms with the fact that you may get <laughs> royally screwed, he says. And that's that's okay. Your misery is someone else's pleasure and joy. And that is kind of okay. <laughs> that is true, Eric. Steve O'Rourke says beige is the rage. He didn't put that on here. <laughs> this is just a, a phrase that he has. Right. And uh, yeah, it's it, it, there is that element for sure. Going back to yeah. Puerto Rico, you know, that some of the ugliest games can be some of my favorite ones for sure. But nobody's, well, I don't know. Probably nobody's going around like, let me find the beigest game I can find. One that absolutely has no color. And that's the one I want. I guarantee you there are. Just as pretty, beautiful art sells games, sometimes some of the blandest beiges art. Somebody's like, oh, that's my kind of game. I need that dull, dry, boring, strictly no luck whatsoever you know, everything is on me. I feel like those kind of things go hand in hand. Oh yeah. You're, you're probably right. I stand corrected then. Uh, those are weird people. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. No. And you're right. I mean, people who know, I know what I like. I know that I don't want any theme. I just want great mechanics. Yeah. So let me, let me push aside anything that, that screams theme. Yeah. Um, Or chance, you know, my perception of chance. Yeah. 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 Chance, uh, but C-H-A-N-C-E <laughs> instead of chance, like musical chance, which is what I thought you were talking about. And I was oh, like, I'm I don't sorry. ever think about that in game purchases. I was thinking Cthulhu <laughs> chance, but no, you're right. That too. <laughs> Luck. That's what I meant. Uh, yeah. That's something you said, Eric, that I really appreciate is you've come to appreciate more cutthroat games. You know, when you said that, I thought one of the things that early on in my gaming, I, I did not want to touch go anywhere near an auction game a bidding game anything that had something to do with 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 money or uh any kind of social deduction kind of thing even i didn't want man i love auction and bidding any kind of potential um, manipulation that's going on there that's kind of inherent in those types of games we're trying to read the other opponent and, and drive cost up for something and man i've as you've heard over the last few episodes i'm, I'm a lover of the knizia auction bidding game specifically those would have never the first you know year or two of me gaming would have never been part of my um my collection but now i just am infatuated with them gotta love that cutthroat stuff yeah i do i'll talk about that a little bit later okay steve o'rourke over the years he's become more of a euro gamer who sees theme as something that is an enhancement rather than a requirement now steve i think dean just called you weird a minute ago you can back up a little bit, you know, the, the the episode and see if I spoke correctly. But um, yeah, I think he just called you weird. Yes, no, I did. <laughs> I would agree. <laughs> uh, Steve's initial phrase into gaming had a lot of thematic connections, you know, but now he is more tolerant of games where the theme is just an artistic style or an evocative of some setting. If the game works and makes him feel like he's making interesting choices, then he doesn't have to think of himself as a pirate or an astronaut or a merchant to have fun with it. Still not big into heavy games. He's still finding himself into that that sweet spot. He used to be more of a 2.25 to 2.5 as far as the the weights go on, on BoardGameGeek.com. But he says he's kind of migrated a little further north of there, 2.75 to 3.25. Yeah, 
Steve, you know, as much as I love thematic games, I always thought that I would feel like those people in that. And that's not really the case. And I really felt like a pirate and I really felt like, you know, a cultist or whatever. Uh, I do enjoy the settings to get me into it. But ultimately there, the game usually does end up breaking down to the mechanisms in some shape, form or fashion and some of the laughter and interactions that happen around the table. Um, yeah, I don't necessarily feel as thematically ingrained into the game as I once thought I did. And um, yeah, Dane, you have any response to to what Steve said there? Yeah, one of the things, you know, n- none of this means that we're locked into any of this. Um, one of the things that Steve said at the end about being the former sweet spot of 2.25 to 2.5 weight range, meaning that's, that's uh, out of a five scale, I think. Is that right? Five scale? Yep. Yep. And uh, migrated north to a 2.75 to 3.25, which is kind of where I'm at too. Although, you know what? I mean, I talked about a game earlier that was probably a one, um, is my guess. I would imagine that Rudolph game is a one weight. Uh, Jingle yep. All the Way is a one. And Rudolph is not even weighted. So it actually probably would be a below a one. I can have fun with those. For me, it's if I'm having fun that really matters. Or if people are having fun. I can I can take one for the team and play a game that I don't really care for um, just for the sake of you know spending time with people around the table. So I'm fine with that. But if I'm looking at my game preferences, then I'm probably more in that sweet spot. Although it does, it, it fluctuates. You know, it, it fluctuates over the years. Right now, you know, I have younger kids. If they still game with me in 10 years, then probably we'll be playing not Rudolph games, but we'll be playing something more like I don't know, tapestry or wingspan or something even more in the Lacerda range. Who knows what that's going to look like, and that will change for sure. Yeah, and it's it's funny how just stuff um, over time can change as your life situation changes. Um, Andrew uh, over on Andrew two six one over on X says, I'm realizing tableau builders are really just not my thing in particular because it often feels like luck is too big of a factor when drawing cards. Additionally, needs games to feel decently intuitive and not required uh, to relearn a game every time you play it. And Andrew, I can resonate with that. I'm often, at least in my world, um, the 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 rules teacher, and I love playing new games. Uh, there's always going to be, I feel like that that desire and urge to play something new and have a new adventure. But but man, if you're primarily the one that's doing that and teaching that, after a while, that can wear on you. And I'm kind of slipping into that stage where, you know. I'm okay playing a game over and over again because I'm, uh, that means I want to have to relearn it less. I was not looking forward in some ways to playing Nova Roma this weekend with Cindy and by myself because I'd already played it. You know what I mean? But I really enjoyed that day that we got to play it twice um, because I because I knew it and there was like, oh, I don't have to I don't have to look up anything. It's kind of stuck in my brain now. That's such a mm. rare occurrence for me. So yeah, I, I feel that, Andrew. Yeah, I'll, I want to get into that a little bit more when I'm I'm going to give kind of my overall feel, but uh, I I am morphing, hopefully morphing more into that as I get old, old crotchety old man Dean <laughs> might not want to learn all the new rules all the time. Tony Topper from Secret Cabal <laughs> might have might have had uh, had something there. He's he's got he's got some good thoughts about not wanting to l- read the rules, and I'm I. I don't always want to read rules, but I read a lot of rules. A lot of rules. Yeah. Well, well, Tony, <laughs> if Tony has to read rules, he's not going to play it. So, yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, I don't know if you're there yet or not, but <laughs> no, obviously I'm not there yet, but maybe someday I can, that's, that's my aspiration. Yeah. Maybe. Gotcha. <laughs> well, just a few more over on the guild on BGG. Um, BJ from board game gumbo says, I've been playing a lot less and less campaign games and more and more one hour wonders and 90 minute euros. Those are the kind of games that give him enjoyment. And for some reason he's yet to establish a certain game night to play the big campaign games. I think you need that dedication to get those done and just haven't shown that yet. I envy you in this area, Darren, because you do that well. And I really wish I had, I, I had that, honestly. I really wish I had a group that could do that. I wish that uh, my family would want to do that. Now, I've done some legacy stuff, and um, that's different. Usually it takes me a little bit of a while, uh, while to play through that. But there's some campaign some dungeon crawl campaign things that I'd like to go through that I just don't have the group to do that with. Yeah. And I'm finding myself more and more. We do like a buddy of mine and I, Phil and I, we, we play Frosthaven once a week, most weeks, you know, that's kind of, and we did that for over a year with Gloomhaven. And then now we're doing that with Frosthaven now that it's here. And I do enjoy that. And I'm finding myself BJ kind of going the opposite. I'm finding myself stepping less and less away from the euros and I'm finding, I've always been, you know, enjoyed the, the thematic kind of, you know, campaigning or maybe a mirror uh, trashy type games, but I'm really finding myself moving even less away from the Euros and more into that. Like I want to spend a week playing Marvel Zombies. I just talked about all those boxes I got in my house. I want to spend a week, you know, just like knocking out a good chunks of Frosthaven. I've, I've, I've got all these Nemesis games that I've hardly touched that I want to go back and play. I just back Nemesis Retaliation. Cindy's hearing that for the first time right now. Sorry, Cindy, couldn't help it. And um, man, there's just more good stuff coming that I just want to sit down and play those. For I'll still play some of the Euros because that's one of the things that, that she is really into. She loves the Euros and those are her kind of games and I will play those with her. Um, but if I had my druthers, you know, I think I just want to get kind of get lost in some campaign and blow some stuff up. I feel like I'm going the opposite of most of the people that we're, <laughs> that, that we're talking to. Well, I think there's an element of that that sticks for all of you, okay? For all of us, maybe, that that kind of feel that way, that, okay, BJ wants to play one, two-hour games that he might know. You want to play campaign games over and over again, okay? The similarity that might be present in that, unless, unless BJ is talking about, like, brand new games all the time. One of the things that I'm wanting is, I, I don't necessarily care about whether it's the campaign games or if it's a one- or two-hour game. I want to play games that I know and that are are a little more familiar because we are happier that way, okay? Apparently right. there's studies that show that when we play when we watch movies that we've already seen that that we can be happier or maybe even are happier than if we're constantly watching new things and and you know constantly in explore mode and and learning mode, okay? Our brains need a break. And so if games are supposed to be fun and and kind of bring us to a place of of um you know, maybe whatever happiness, some sort of happiness, whatever you define that as playing games that we know might be a better way to do that than constantly learning new things. Yeah. Maybe. No, I think that's, I think that's very true because, you know, you oftentimes you hear people talk about, you know, or hear people asking questions, what do you do when, when you're burned out on board games? Well, I feel like part of it might be that, you know, sometimes it's just playing some of the stuff that, you know, but if that's what you're doing, then maybe you might need to do the opposite you know, and, and learn something new and fresh. And there's going to have to be that balance too much of anything at once, 
you know, or for long periods of time, regardless of what it is in life, can can wear someone down and you're going to want to kind of in some ways do the opposite to sort of recalibrate and adjust and find the enjoyment. Yeah. So a good example, going back way into the past when I was playing Catan, okay, I didn't know anything else was out there. And so we played Catan and then we would get together the next week and we would play Catan. There was no question. There were no choices to be made other than what time can we meet up? Okay. Because we just didn't know what was out there. And then when we started to introduce new games, then it becomes, now we have to make this choice. Now, when I go out to eat, I don't want to make that decision. I don't want to wade through a thousand different places to eat. I just want to pick a place and be done with it. Okay. I feel the same way with, with streaming services. I don't want to look (laughs) at a streaming service for 45 minutes and then watch something for five minutes because I'm too tired to continue watching it and then turn the TV off, which I don't really do that a lot because I'm not, I don't love watching TV. It's not my favorite, but we do that with a lot of different things with games. That's the part that can cause me fatigue. Sometimes I'll look at my shelf. If I'm, if I know my wife's going to go to bed early or okay, that that's a good example. If I know my wife's going to go to bed early, I'm like, okay, I'll play something solo. Let me look at my shelves and decide what I want to (laughs) play. It's, it's exhausting. It's exhausting to figure <laughs> out what that game is going to be. Or if I know that I'm going to have a group of people over, I'm going to have multiple Christmases where we have people over and people want to play games. It's exhausting to pick out the games that we want to play and then have to learn the rules to all those. It would be much easier just to play the things that I already know and that everybody knows. Yeah. Yep. But that that's how some of my taste have changed. Sorry, you're you're still going down some of the list, but I'm I'll move into more of my final thoughts on this as we wrap those up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because you know, as you were saying, you know, we need to change. Uh, the residents may be thinking, oh, this conversation is going on too long. I need to change. So we're going to try to start landing this plane here soon. Lastly, in BGG uh, over on the guild, Evan Halbert says. Uh, he's changed a lot over the years. The most recent big change was getting into modern board gaming in 2010. But before that was magic and first love is still D&D and still loves all of that. But definitely the focus is more on board games and now designing them and playing them and hosting multiple meetups every week. And that, that is interesting how, you know, Evan talks about the the evolution from playing certain types of games into a whole new world of gaming. And then once they're exploring that that world even more with it, not just playing, but also designing creating spaces for others to kind of come in and, and have a space to, to be a part of that. Um, I think that's a good natural progression and in a lot of ways kind of feel some of that my myself. So, um, But his first love and all that was Dean and Darren. Is that what I heard? Dean and that Dean? Dean and Darren were the first loves. I and mean, we've got okay. it in, in print right there. And okay. It's on the internet and nothing ever leaves <laughs> the internet. So. <laughs> I like that. Thank you, Evan. We we uh, are very fond of you as well. <laughs> um, so this brings up an interesting point, being a designer. Um, not me, Evan. Evan is the designer. <laughs> but part of the appeal, I, I have recently, within the last couple of months, started making a list of game design ideas that I've got. And I'll share those with Darren and Evan and Jay and some other people at some point. Um, they're not, I, I haven't, I need to pick something. This is a piece of advice that Evan said, pick something and then run with that. Stop like being all over the place. And he is absolutely right. Cause that's what I do. One of the appeals for designing a game is that very thing is saying, okay, I'm going to take this one thing and I'm going to focus on it because I don't do that in most areas of my life right now. I mean, I'm all over the place with 
decisions that I have to make at work, I don't do the same thing over and over again. It's a constant evolving, changing thing in my relationships, uh, you know, with friends that's, that's evolving too. And as our kids grow older and we we have friends with their families and their relationship change and changing schools, all those things, games are constantly changing. And I do want to just like dig into some of the same games and play them over and over again. But with the board game design, you're forced to do that. Look at, uh, Roy Canada, um, how much conversation he has about last light and, 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 he seems to be genuinely very excited about that one game, even though he's still playing other games and reviewing other things. And that's also his job. I think part of the excitement of being able to focus on this one thing that you're very excited about, that's really appealing. And that is kind of how my game is. My game um, preference is shifting too. this is my, my games of the future are changing. Uh, and uh, yeah, you, you respond and then I'll, I'll, I'll move into my final thoughts too. Well, go ahead and do that because you're talking about your moving into the into the future. There, you're gaming into the future. Um, go ahead and keep keep riffing on that. Don't stop. Okay, so so I've kind of alluded to some of this, but let me just kind of give a brief overview, a literally brief overview of my past, present, future. So in my past, the gaming experience was most in my like long, long past when I first got into games. It was about what was popular, um, what games are the the highest rated games not even necessarily that they had to fit with like my game preference it's just what do other people think okay and then it moved in when we started creating content it stayed that way for a while and then when we moved into content we're constantly chasing the new hotness we are um you know if you want to be relevant in this realm which i honestly don't really care about that that much but when we're doing youtube videos you know especially during covid it was like we got to get games that are out before anyone else. Let's get, let's get a leg up on this. And then if we're the first ones out there, then we're going to get a lot more views. And that does happen. It a hundred percent happens. I don't chase that as much anymore, but that is kind of where I've lived in. That's been my present of what is the newest, the hottest games out there. Now I, I can see in the future, I can even see this in more of the immediate future of me being less concerned about that. I want to call a lot of my collection this next year. That's one of the goals that I have and focus on some of those games that I really enjoy. Meaning, I don't know what that means for Mapletown, but it could mean that we might doing we might be doing reviews of older games that we know very well instead of chasing the new hotness. Now, does that mean I'm not going to play any new games? No, listen to the Jazz Club. I'm very excited about new things that are coming out, but I don't want to feel like I constantly have to chase that thing. You know, I, I want to be in a place where I'm enjoying the games that I already know. Um, I, I love, I used to love um, a lot of like, they're not party games, but more interactive games. So like Chinatown and uh, Survive, Escape from Atlantis, those type of games, the um, Downfall of Pompeii, a lot of those type of games and, and playing Turbo Man the, with my kids. <laughs> Uh, which is why I picked a game to talk about today is because that is the future of Dean's gaming. Um, in, in some ways it is because what is a game that my kids are going to get jazzed about? Those are the games that I want to play. And if it is playing Jingle All the Way a hundred times this next year, well, then I will we'll be doing more of that. I'm not going to talk about it on a Meeple Town all the time and I'm going to be playing other games, obviously, but but I want to I want to find joy in this because I've in some ways have been in a bit of a gaming rut this year. Um, 
and and I don't yeah, even maybe right now I might be in a little bit of a gaming rut. Not huge. It's not that I don't want to play games. It's just I don't want to I don't want to buy a ton of games and I don't want to feel like I'm chasing. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's a it's probably a good thing. You know, that's probably your your rut that you're feeling is probably just this idea of, you know what, it's probably not healthy to always be chasing uh something like that. It's probably not healthy to always be wanting to buy. I mean, again, that's part of the the balance of life, right? Like, what are we chasing? Are we chasing something that's giving us meaning? Um, and so probably that's a natural reaction to, to pull back and find a little balance, I would think. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hope so. And, and who cares if it's, you know, <laughs> <laughs> if it's not true, but it's, yeah. um, yeah, that's, that's just kind of where I'm, I'm at right now, but yeah. uh, I don't know what that's going to look like for this next year, as far as my gaming experiences go. But now that I know some of the games that that my oldest really likes. I want to start exploring some of that and not getting him to play a new game every week, but, but finding some maybe games that we both enjoy a little bit more. I don't want to play Jingle all the way every day of my life. Um, but there might be some games like survive escape from Atlantis. Are, are there elements in that game that he really likes that are present in both of those games? And can we kind of explore some of that? So that that's kind of where I'm at there. But again, honestly like my jam if i'm saying my jam of games it's going to be thematic games i really like thematic games but also midweight euro games um you mentioned taverns of teep and tall that is a game that i quite enjoy i'm just looking at my shelf right now heaven and ale and village are all up there um hanzo teutonica was mentioned castles of burgundy clint glenmore too those games are my jam as well so i i wanted to really spend more of my time with those you know, hearing you say some of that, you know, resonates. And and I think, again, letting our life situation, wherever we find ourselves, whether that be where we are with with family or or not, or work or community, you know, what have you, wherever we find ourselves, letting some of that kind of dictate what we do as opposed to trying to force our druthers onto our life situation, you know, may be a um in the long run a healthier place to um kind of approach gaming from, you know, and sort of being, being patient, letting some of those things evolve and change. I know in the past, you know, I wanted to play every type of game, um, and especially deck builders, you know, get as many of those as I, as I could. And, you know, had all these great plans of getting everybody to over to play all these big games. And then, you know, COVID happened and that didn't happen. I had a great collection, but could only play it with my, my family. And so, like I mentioned, wanted to make up for lost time and, and back everything. And, but, you know, Presently, again, I still like playing the the, the new stuff. Um, I still like doing those things, and I'd always thought, you know, I didn't I didn't care for zombie games. Turns out, I do like zombie games. I look at my collection; I have quite a few actually. <laughs> there's, there's something about the silliness of them, and maybe the dark theme that for some reason draws me. And if you can give me a dark theme and something silly about it or quirky, um, that that uh, that appeals to me more than I thought it would. I mentioned the action and bidding games and the quirky card games and trick-taking games. I love these. I'm collecting these. And this was something that I avoided early on because I played so much um, so much spades and other things when I was younger. Like at this point, like I didn't want to play anything that reminded me of that for whatever reason. But now these new ways of, of doing it, particularly if I'm not in a partner situation, because I always feel bad screwing stuff up for people. I love playing that. Um I'm I'm finding mm. myself playing when I first got in doing a lot of solo. I'm playing less solo games and less solo modes now 
because I don't know if it's it's the burden of the rules of trying to figure it out or just really wanting someone else there. It's becoming less about the game and more about the the banter with someone. I don't I don't know, but I'm that's just a trend that I'm seeing right now. You know, loved all the pandemic stuff. I've kind of pulled away from those types of games and where the bad things happen and you gotta and you gotta just beat it. Um it's hard. It's getting harder and harder for me to just play anything. Well, back in the day, you know, I would have just played anything. I will still, but I'm not going to be as excited about playing. You know, I'm getting more more picky and snobby in how I spend my my time, I guess. And kind of going along with that in the future, you know, I'm seeing myself buying more, um, buying less and less. And and I may be reaching that coaling stage. I've never I've never really cold before, but I think I've hit that spot in my life. One due to space <laughs> because there's, there's no more rooms in the house that I can put these games. And, you know, I, and I guess I'm finally becoming less and less attached to some of them. Again, these are the games that I've researched. These are my babies, but, but mm-hmm. it's time, it's time to let them fly the nest, you know, and make, you know, make, make their own way into the world. Um, like I said, I, I want to do more of the, of the, of the campaign games and lean into those and play them outside of Frosthaven. So maybe, you know, in 10 years when we finish Frosthaven, I'll get to play some of these other shoot 'em up um, overproduced games. I'm still <laughs> going to play. I'm still going to play the Euros because there is something about that, especially if there's something unique there, but just playing a Euro for the sake of Euros, you know, that's, there's, there's less of that going on. I will play what my wife will play with me. I'll play anything that my children will play with me. I just discovered there's a new version of Beat the Parents out there. <laughs> Disney Beat the Parents. I may have to pick that up just because that was one of the early games that the kids would play with us. And now all these years later, you know, it's harder to get them to the table. Maybe that one would. Um, but yeah, looking ahead, I just, I don't know where all this is going. And that's, it's just kind of fun to look back and see the evolutions and, and hold some of that stuff lightly and realize, you know, if it changes and that's great. And, um, that's not a, that's not a big deal, but, but there's always going to be something out there on the horizon that, um, that's going to be intriguing. And so, you know, who knows where this may, this hobby may lead, but there's lots of other facets out there to explore from a community standpoint, from a gaming standpoint. And I don't know, I think it's been just fun kind of to reflect on that with Meeple Town these last several minutes. Yeah, the good call. I mean, it's I, I wouldn't mind keeping this conversation going on on Discord if people are, have any other thoughts on this. Um, and, and it'd be interesting to look back uh, maybe this time next year to kind of see how mm-hmm. how if this conversation did change anything for us or if we were in the exact same spot that we are. I would imagine that I would be in a different spot with with all of this, uh, meaning. I have followed through on some of the things that I've been talking about, you know, playing uh, not necessarily all the new hotness. The funny thing is I, I have a desire to go to more board game conventions, which is where you mm. find all the hotness. Um, Cause, because I really love that space. I think it's a lot of fun, but I don't know what that looks like either. You know, I don't, I don't know if I actually will have time or, or resources to make that happen, but I, I would like to be in the spaces where a lot of the new hotness is coming out. I just don't necessarily want to be the one that's chasing it all. <laughs> right. No, no, that makes sense. So anyway, interesting conversation. We'll have more of these town halls to come up in the future. Um, if you would like to get in touch with us, please reach out to us on at Mapletown games on our different social media sites, as well as emailing us. We need more email questions. If you, for the mailbag, if you want to send those in, you can send those to meepletownmail at gmail.com. 
reach out to us on the Guild 3407 or on Discord. Until next time, thanks for coming down to Meepletown. Later. Merry Christmas to all, and to all a good night.